evening, Commissioner. Please, call me Gene. Commissioner Charlotte was my father's name. Uh, do you happen to know where the bathroom is around here? Of course not. Oh, really? Then why do you have toilet paper stuck to the bottom of your shoe? You're a real piece of work, pal. Me? Yes, you. You're telling me you did not recently go to the shitter? I was right here. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Which is also the name of the spec script I wrote for that Dumb and Dumber sequel. Oh, actually, that might work better for a Liar, Liar sequel. Note to self, stop writing scripts. Does it depress you, Commissioner, to know just how alone you really are? No, that's nothing drugs can't fix. But it does piss me off that you refuse to get my goddamn name right. Commissioner Shatlet is spinning in his grave like one of my novelty bow ties. Does it make you feel responsible for Harvey Dent's current predicament? A, it's impossible to make me feel responsible. B, who names their kid Harvey anymore? What's the time? Well, my watch says six o'clock, but maybe you were asking about Morris Day's band? Ah, oh, the time were great. Girl, I wanna hold ya, hold ya. Oh God, what the hell happened to Morris Day? Well, depending on the time, he may be in one spot or several. You mean like he cloned himself? Well, that's Morris for you. Nothing if not ambitious. Boy, oh boy, imagine all the things you could do with a clone of yourself. The good cop, bad cop routine? Sure, that's a good example. Why not? Right? Yeah, two clones dress up in police uniforms. Hey, that could be funny, right? One's all nice and, oh, gee whiz, let me help you with that, ma'am. And the other one's a total asshole, like just a really bad man. You wanted me. Here I am. No, bad man, not... Oh, Jesus Christ. Why'd you have to invite this guy? I wanted to see what you'd do. Well, clearly, now I'm gonna have to make small talk with the guy. <sighs> Hello, Batman. You're looking... fit. I, uh... I think it's great that you're not making movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger anymore. Then why do you want to kill me? Well, how the hell did you jump to that, drama queen? I don't want to kill you. I just... I just like to poke a little fun sometimes. Christian Bale, more like Christian Fail. See what I did there? You're garbage. Who kills for money? I think you have me confused with Matt Lauer. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 56 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back 13 summers to July 18th, 2008, and the weekend's three major releases, The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's second entry in his Batman trilogy, starring Christian Bale, Aaron Eckhart, and an Oscar-winning Heath Ledger as the Joker. Mamma Mia, the ABBA musical adaptation starring Meryl Streep. And last but not least, Space Chimps, an animated release featuring Space Chimps. But before we get to Dan's favorite movie of the week, where <laughs> were you boys in July of 2008? You know where I was? 
I was the father of a four-month-old baby oh, boy yay. panicking and watching him poop in his pants while I pooped in my pants trying oh. to figure out how am I going to support oh my God. this beautiful little baby boy. Oh, yeah, my son wow. was yeah. four months old in that summer. He was born in March. That's right. And we were in... I believe we were in Amagansett this this particular week because my sister-in-law had rented a house out there and we went for a little trip and I had just gotten out of a a boot because I I busted my ankle doing a show in Massachusetts. And the producers, and, uh, right? I was doing the producers at the North oh Shore God. Music Theater and uh I, I got the job right after Ben was born. Like literally I went to the callback, I think <laughs> maybe hours after Ben was born. Wow. Uh, yeah, because I was like, well, the baby's here. Everything's good. Might as well try to go get a job now <laughs> and uh, ran out real quick. And then I got the gig and I think it started in, in maybe June or July. And I was playing Carmen Gia and I did a big gay leap on the stage and totally <laughs> fell. I was wearing these high boots and yeah, completely oh. busted my ankle, had to miss the last show. Wow. So I just, so, and, and that was fun oh my for, for my wife, Kate, because she had to deal with a newborn and a husband who couldn't walk. Oh, so what God. what better way to start your life as a mother wow. than that? Uh, I, think, but, I think it was May that you did that show only because I was house sitting for you. I was cat sitting. Oh yes, George yeah, and Blossom, you, and I remember. Yes. I guess, uh, actually, yeah. no that that would make sense. That would make sense. So I got back, I got the boot off, and at this point, I was just starting to be able to like walk and get around by myself now. And we went away, and it was like that suddenly that panic of you know because before like my son was born, I got this job, everything seemed okay. I was like, okay, I'm still working. And then the job was done. I was done with PT. And I was like, oh, what do I, what, what, what do I do now? Because I, I got I to gotta pay for the butt cream and, what? you know, the clothes and all the other stuff that goes with and having a baby. Cream. I was going to say, same problems you had right after graduation. Yeah. I pay for butt cream and something called rent. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was a little, that was, that was a little freaky, um, but it was good, but it was like, it was a good time. I remember, you know, the, when, when, when the, those infant years, I mean, they were hard, but mm. I remember them very fondly. You know what I do remember, cause there's so little sleep involved, mm -hmm. but it was, it was a fun time, you know, you know, take away the, the whole panic of how, how are we going to do this? You know, you're you're very much a team. You know, Kate and I were like, Kate would always be like, yeah, it's like you know, you're 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 in the shit, literally and figuratively. <laughs> um, but you just sort of dive in and you just sort of do it. And we, you know, we got very lucky in the sense that Ben and, and I apologize to any new parents who are listening right now want to strangle me, but both our kids started to sleep through the night very early, so we got wow. very very lucky on that end. Wow. But it was, it was a fun time. Like I, I loved walking around the city with Ben and like the little baby Bjorn, <laughs> yeah. you know, strapped to my chest, but there was, but speaking of which, so that was when I normally would take this one path to get home. And I thought, I'm going to go this other way. I've never, I've never been, you know, I was like, come on, Ben, let's see some new sites. Not that he knew what he was saying anyway, <laughs> 
But we went this different way, and I happened to run into this guy. His name was Christopher Camp. He was an engineer at a studio that I did some audiobook work at, um, and I hadn't seen him in a while. And I was like, hey, what's going on, man? And he's like, oh, I didn't know you lived up here. And uh, I said, hey, where? I haven't seen you at the studio in a while. He said, oh, I'm working at, at uh, Audible Studios now, which was a fairly new mm. studio at that time. They'd been around, but they were, this was really before like the big Amazon takeover. So he mentioned, wow. he's like, yeah, I, I'm working for Audible. He's like, oh, you should you should try to get in touch. And he gave me the name of the guy, this guy, George, who, who was sort of the head of casting there. He's like, you should get it, you should get it, you know, in touch with him and send, send your stuff. So- I was like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking that's fortuitous. Like I'd never walked this way and I walked yeah, this way right. and I run into this wow. guy. He ended up calling me in and, and that sort of started off, you know, a nice relationship with them. And I started to do a lot of work, but it was really that mode of, okay, I, I got to get work now. I got to support this kid because, <laughs> you know, the theater job is done. I don't know what's coming up. Yeah. How do I, how do I take care of this, this baby? I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I got to pay for that butt cream. Got to pay for that butt cream. <laughs> the immortal <laughs> cry. <laughs> I got to pay for that butt cream. <laughs> Can we get a sample of Orson Welles saying that? That must be somewhere. Oh, <laughs> the butt cream. has always been celebrated for its excellence. Yeah, but other than the panic and the despair, it was a fun, fun Yay. summer with my baby, Aww. with my baby boy, Ben. Aww. Yeah, the baby. Who's how old now? He's old, very old now. He's 13. He's, 13. He's a man by Jewish law. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> It's so, so, so severe when you say it like that. (laughs) He's a man by Jewish law. Uh, The Talmud proclaims. The Talmud says so. (laughs) Were you a man at this point, Dan? No. uh, What was happening? God, no, no, no. Um, No, I had just finished uh, uh, my second season of of what became a very longstanding relationship with Arkansas Shakespeare Theater, which became a very... Um, uh, really an artistic home for me. And uh, this was, so if this was uh, beginning of July, then yeah, then we had, we had, we had been, we had just opened or were just about to finish um, the second season ever of that theater's existence, which was Romeo and Juliet, The Tempest and The Sound of Music. So this was my my second season down there, uh, Taylor, my wife was in that season, uh, 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 with me. And that was, uh, yeah, that, that Which became, Von Trapp child were you playing in the sound yeah, of music? I was, uh, <laughs> I was Liesl. Who's the one who says, I am 16. Yakaka, bing bong That was me. I played <laughs> Stuppy Von Trapp. You played Stuppy. <laughs> in a production in the Catskills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she, she, we were in that season again together. We had, we had met in the season before. We were in that season again together. Um, and then I, you know, wound up going back down there many times and it became a, a, a real, uh, a real special place. I wound up becoming part of the artistic collective there. I wound up playing um, some very nice uh, uh, roles there. I wound up doing the producers there the very next year. Oh, um, right. Uh, yeah. I remember and, that. And, yeah. And Petruchio and Taming of the Shrew and wound up playing, you know, Richard III there and all kinds of other um, uh, and Shylock and things and all kinds of under, other wonderful places. And the director who. The artistic director who wound up taking over that theater, Rebecca Scallett, now 
is directing me now in The Winter's Tale here uh, at Illinois mm-hmm. Shakespeare. And so there's all these all these wonderful, you know, um, uh, connective tissue between the, my life then and my my life now and my wife mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and uh, all of that. <laughs> your so wife very, then and your wife now. My wife <laughs> and my wife now. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a really special and warm, you know, uh, feeling and special place in my heart uh, uh, in central Arkansas. And who knew? It's so crazy the places that your career, you know, you never think, oh, my career yeah. is going to take me to central Arkansas. And that's where I'm going to meet my future wife and, mm-hmm. and all of these things. Um, they sell really good butt cream down there. And I, I invested in that. <laughs> that's what Bill Clinton always said. Yeah. <laughs> His whole campaign was based on the butt right. cream. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I feel uh, the I, pain. I, you're chafing. <laughs> Here, use this. Oh, Clinton country. What was your butt doing? I was at, uh, it was my first summer at, uh, you talk about places with you have a long relationship with. It was my first summer at Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. It was my very first okay. season there. And now I am currently in the midst of my 11th season there. I'm Good gravy. Caliban and the Tempest. What did you do in the Tempest? Were you in that in Arkansas that? I was then? Stefano. Yeah, I was Stefano in that. I was oh, Stefano in yeah. that one. Super, super um, fun role and super fun play. Yeah. 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 So uh, currently doing Caliban. At that time, I was doing a complete works of William Shakespeare Bridge. That's basically what I had been hired for. It's a funny place because I had at that time, it was like such a hard gig to get. It was a hard place to break into because the artistic mm-hmm. director at that time, the founder, he he had his people that he had kind of, you know, collected over the years. At that point, the festival was probably like about 20, 22 years old. And, you know, there were actors who would go back and back and back and back and back. And he really didn't audition a lot of people. He just kind of that was went Terry to O'Brien, his, right? Yes. Terry O'Brien. Mm-hmm. He, he went to his kind of stable of, of, of actors who were all wonderful and who really knew the, the style that, um, uh, there's a lot of, it's a very interesting place and it's a beautiful setting, but there's such interesting specific demands to performing out there. Mm-hmm. And you just, it's a, it's a different language that you learn. And so I think, yeah, he gravitated towards people who kind of knew how to play out there. But I, I remember it was like, Oh, well, I'm never going to get, <laughs> I'm never going to get an audition or, or <laughs> I'm never going to get in there. And I was actually doing education work for them because I was good friends with, um, uh, this, uh, their, their education director, who's also a great actor, um, Chris Edwards, who now is running a theater in Boston. Um, great guy. And he, uh, yeah. And he, he had been doing, I'd been going into schools, doing scenes from Shakespeare plays as part of Hudson Valley's education component, but I could never kind of, you know, it was hard to break into their summer season. But then when they were doing complete works abridged, Chris was the one who was telling Terry, like, you should use this guy. You should use this guy. And, uh, and it was really down to the wire. It was like two weeks before they started when I got a call, I I was like, Oh, my summer's dead. I got nothing going on. And I was in Arkansas. I was in little rock, Arkansas doing a play. And I got a call from Terry and uh, he was like, actually we do have something for you. So I went to do a little intimidating guy. If I remember. Yeah. He kind of was. Cause I remember John Cariani got me an audition for him and he wanted nothing to do with me, but (laughs) I was just like, I mean, he was was scary. Yeah. Cause he, cause he, yeah. he's a big guy and he has his arms crossed and he usually yes, has Yes, I remember, that's what, that's his, all I remember with the arms crossed. Yeah. Yeah. He crosses his arms and like, you're like, impress the, me fucker. <laughs> yeah. Not, not doing it. And then he and I have become very, very close friends. Um, you know, uh, during my time there, we did a lot of 
great shows together while he was still artistic director. And now and now it's uh, run by Davis McCallum. And I've continued to work there since Davis took over in 2015. And so it's a it's a place. Now, that's were very you special. around at all? Because do I, I did we see Dark Knight? Yeah. I don't want to jump the gun, but we I did. see we, got, we went and saw, we saw it uh, together. Right? IMAX. Uh, yeah, because I would go in and out of the city yeah. on days okay. off. We saw it on like a Monday night when I had a day off from, from gotcha. the show. OK, that's what but, I um, thought. But yeah, no, but but that that place is very special to me. That's where I met my wife as well on the lawn of that uh, of of that venue, and and yeah, and that first show, I, I think she was mowing the lawn. She was she was just working working, <laughs> working the land. No, she came to see a show that a mutual friend was in with me, and uh, and then the other big thing I was doing was I was getting ready to go to Beijing. I was getting ready to go to Beijing at this point because. Uh, oh, I, wow. I remember that trip. I, right after the Shakespeare Festival ended, I went to uh, Beijing to do King Lear with uh, my good friend Joe Graves. And this is right after the big Beijing Olympics. And it was a, that was a great, great experience, too. But I'll save that. If we ever do September of 2008, I'll. Oh, uh, I'll, uh, I'll That's a hell of a that. trip, though, man, to be, from New York to Beijing. That's like going into space. Uh, it, you're like yeah, a- but Central Arkansas and Beijing are very similar. They're basically the same. The food's the same. All right, now say your segue again, Fred. I'm sorry. Oh, I always step on the segue. The last like three episodes, I've been like, I want to talk more about things that aren't the segue. I'm constantly stepping on the segues now. That's say right. it again. That's okay. uh, it was stupid. Uh, what did I say? Uh, you said that was a long. Oh trip yeah! Wow. <laughs> I'm keeping all of this, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) That was a, uh, that's, that's, that's a long trip to Beijing and to Arkansas. That's like, like (laughs) Jesus Christ. Now now you've fucked up your own segue because you can't get Arkansas out of your head. Oh God. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh. That's a long trip to Beijing. That's like, that's practically going into space there. (gasps) That's all I need. Space chimps. Sandberg is the grandson of the first chimpanzee to blast into outer space. He also plays a character in this movie. When he and two other chimp astronauts go on a dangerous mission through a black hole, bring your butt cream, they land on an inhabited planet, and soon the spacefaring simians must help depose an interplanetary tyrant, played by Jeff Daniels, before finding a way back to their own world. Space Chimps made $7.2 million on its opening weekend, took in $30.1 million domestically, and earned $65.1 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Space Chimps? Well, the, I, <laughs> the thing with... I... The, uh, Wait, are you telling me you didn't love this movie, Dan? Here's the th- no, I kind of did love it, but oh, I could. My God. It's very hard to get for me to get past um, computer animation that isn't Pixar level. You know, yeah, it, it's, because it looks it like just money looks for weird. nothing. It looks like the <laughs> Dire Straits video. That's what I was saying to Fred before we started. I was like, I can't watch squares move for ninety minutes. <laughs> Ah, 
Oh, it God. is sort of crazy because I, I was trying to figure out. I'm like, well, when did? I'm like, well, this is early technology. But I'm thinking, wait, no, no this no. was like Wally like, come out. Yeah, it's low rent. Yeah, Wally, the one of the most beautiful. That's my favorite Pixar movie is Wally. Wow. And it's gorgeous, and it and it and it has richness. And then anything lower than that kind of looks like kind of looks low rent in a way, you yeah, know. And yeah. and this kind of looked like that, like a cheaper version of what Pixar and and some of the other um, CGI, you know, the, the computer generated animation looked like. And their their mouths move like there's almost there's too much movement. It's annoying looking, you know. Yeah. But when when I was able to get past that. I was like, okay, this is a this is a good story for kids. It goes to the well 900 times too often with the Andy Samberg character Ham the 3rd, which is like everything he says is 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 uh, you know, off the cuff and 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 um uh and everything he says is is uh meant to be um you know, snarky and sarcastic and it's just it's the same it's the same exact thing over and over and over and over again. But it's not unlikable it's not un um it's not unenjoyable i think the story is you know it, it has a nice very funny. arc to it and everything but yeah, yeah i mean funny. and there's plenty of funny i like patrick warburton he's he's great as the, the titan who was the guy who's they were very funny the, together those two the thing. yeah there's a lot of nice back and forth and cheryl hines and everything um one thing i really liked is that and you don't even see this a lot a lot on star trek but that the that the planet that they go to has different sentient species on it, at least three. There's there's the the sort of, you know, the main species that looks like a big gummy bear. And then there's the little sort of everything looks like candy on this planet. There's the little gum hmm. drop hmm. Um, um, people who who can form into a into a full person that like mimics him, which didn't go anywhere. I was like, oh, they're going to do something with this. They didn't do anything with it. And then there's the little Kristen Chenoweth people with the big heads that light up. Kilowatt. And, and, and I liked it's like her. The, that was the, yeah, I liked that design. Wonderful. I thought that was really cute. I thought it was very cute and very fun. And it's like, oh, there's different, totally different sentient species on this planet. Whereas on Star Trek, you usually get one, <laughs> you know, it's the yeah. Klingons. That's it. I was still distracted there only because I thought that the main aliens on that planet, they looked like the alien from Mac and me, which is that, that <laughs> movie, that clip I sent you that Paul Rudd would always play <laughs> whenever be on Conan. Yeah, 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 that's what I kept thinking. Ridiculous. I was like, oh God, even the aliens look bad. Like they, they just look like yeah. cheap knockoffs of so the bad. cheap alien movie, Mac and me. That's yeah. when it looked the worst when they would cut to like, I, I, every time Jeff Daniels was in that contraption, I wanted to, I really wanted to blow my brains out. I was everything just, everything just powered down for me. I was like, every time they went to the planet, I was like, this looks so bad. I can't follow what's being yeah. said or done. It just yeah. looks horrible. The stuff of the chimps actually looked, maybe, maybe they were like, all right, look, we got to get this movie out in a couple of weeks. It's called Space Chimps. Let's focus on the chimps as much as possible because some of that animation I could it was not good, but I could watch it. And then yeah. whenever it went to human characters or those aliens, I was like, oh, my God, you it just the technology felt it was so. Yes. Poor. I just couldn't. I really could, had a hard time paying attention to it. I was like it to me. It's like, you know, we said how the animation of the um those bookends with gremlins too, the looney tunes bookends you're like oh this uh -huh. isn't the old looney right. tunes style it doesn't look right it it's looks shabby cheap. It looks looking shabby and I, and I thought to myself if if you took like the scripts and the voice acting from the old 1940s 
Warner Brothers cartoons, but mm-hmm. you, you know, but they were, they were, they were brought to life with animation that was that kind of shabby and takes, it took you out of the proceeding. Would you be able to enjoy it as much? You wouldn't. I mean, you'd still, no. like I can say, oh, there's funny stuff in this movie. Oh, it's clearly, sure. it's not that far from, uh, well, it's pretty far from a Pixar level stuff, but you know, in terms of like right. the DreamWorks animation, it's, it's in that vein, but yeah. It's so it's much less be. enjoyable because it it's just not up to the standards of the time. Uh, I was hoping it would almost have right. like, and I guess maybe they didn't have the budget, but, and maybe this is why the chimp stuff worked, although it doesn't work out timeline wise, because I kept thinking... I would love this to see this in sort of uh, the, the animation style of, of Brad Bird's The Incredibles, you know, sure. sort of that retro look, which the, this, yeah. which the stuff on the space, you know, on Earth, it sort of had that look about it. There was a bit of a retro feel because it went back to the 60s, you know, with the with no. the with the first with Han, with whatever his name was, Ham One. So I thought, oh, okay, it works for that. But then you're thinking, oh, but wait, but then this isn't this isn't present day. So it really should look a little better. But I think maybe that's why I was able to forgive the bad animation a bit more. I thought Andy Samberg was was good. I know what you're saying, Dan. Like it went on yeah, a little. It's, it's repetitious. It I wanted much. more. Um, you know, I, I wanted enjoyed it. when his character begins that turn, you know, makes that turn from snarky, wisecracking, you know, guy who doesn't want or need to be there to the the hero of the story, which you see coming a mile away. But I wanted, I just wanted more out of that turn. And he just kept being the same, you know, it just kept being the same. It's just the sameness of the character from beginning to end. I am Titan, I am strong. No one wants to sing along. Get a life, one, two, you're lame, three, four. You have two potential, you know, really heartrending moments, which is, you know, the, the chimps um, fall uh, and there's there. She, he falls and she falls at, at two different times off of from great heights. And how do they survive? The, the, you know, uh, there's no way there's no way. You In know? the same way that Batman and Rachel survived the fall onto the taxi cab roof. <laughs> Unbelievable. It doesn't make sense. It, but we'll get there later. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But it's <laughs> like he has a cake. They don't have kids. <laughs> okay, but the spaceships don't. You That's know, what I'm it's like I'm with you. I don't know. I I I I wanted more um, from those moments and more from from the movie in general. But it, it wasn't unenjoyable. I was surprised at how you know how much I was chuckling at different things, especially mm-hmm. Patrick Warburton, who I I just love his whole. He's always the I like same, when right? When he's late, he is always the same. When he's yeah. labeling the aliens with the little like uh, <laughs> yes, "Hi, my name funny. is" stickers. I yeah. thought that was a funny. That was very funny. I liked how he kept saying, you know, saying everything, throwing the word chimp into everything. And Andy Samberg was like, you can do the whole trip. What, replace the word, replace words with chimp? You're going to keep doing that? And that was sort of cute, funny. No, I mean, even saying it, it's, it's not really as funny it's, as well, it, it was. It's, like the, it's, it's like the thing that we called out mystery men for, for like being like, the script does this kind of lazy thing. And then one guy on, on the side is like, oh, you're just going to do that the whole movie? I remember Dan saying, well, there's something lazy about that. And so I, I think that's, you know, they're like, we want to get all the monkey puns in here, but somebody at some <laughs> point has to make a mention of how much monkey punning we're doing. And yeah, that's Andy right. Samberg, you know, he fills the void. 
Speaking of which, butt cream. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Look, in the end, I kept thinking, would kids like this? And I thought, yeah, they would. It's funny. And and is this something that, you know, and to me, the the mark of a of a decent animated movie or any kids movie for that matter is, is this something that I could watch with my kids and enjoy at that age? And yeah, it wasn't, I didn't find it awful. You're right. It misses the heart that we're, we're so spoiled with Pixar and all the new animated movies. And it just doesn't, there's no heart. There's never that moment where, you know, you feel, but it was fun. And I thought, okay, I would, I could sit here with my kids and, you know, Izzy came down at one point and started to watch a little bit. She was like, what is this? And she started to watch and she was laughing, but then she was like, okay, I'm done. You know, um, yeah. it didn't, she didn't know what was going on. It didn't pull her in. But so in that sense, it succeeds that it's, it's a fun movie for kids and it's funny. There was never a cringy moment as my kids call them, mm. but do I need hmm. to see it again? No. Am I going to be like, oh, we got to watch this? No. no. <laughs> I did think it was not. funny when they, uh, <laughs> no, you don't have to watch it. I Am did I going to play Dire was... Straits in the background while I watch it? <laughs> Probably. Yes. Uh... Why would you build a machine like that? We didn't. The humans did. What are humans? They're like us. Well, 99.9% like us. But it's the .01 that makes them own everything. To me, this was Project X, but the audience gets abused. Um, Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Again, at the script writing level and then at the performance level, it's it's on firing on a certain number of cylinders. And then and that's the animation lets it down for for me. Um, yeah, what was the thing with way. like everything's got to be gelatinous, you know? It, as long as things are moving in a gelatinous and fluid way, <laughs> that means entertainment. It's like no, actually, we need want less. Give me less movement because everything shouldn't be moving all the time. Your face, your mouth, the gelatinous beings on the planet. There are three gelatinous beings on the planet. I, again, I love that they're different species and that they they live together in harmony. Um, and, and then there's the big flying, you know, sort of things that look like stingrays, but they fly. They seem sentient as well. So maybe there's four, but everything's gelatinous. <laughs> Oddly then, enough, you know, I was going like to recommend, means- I just read Mike Nichols' biography, and which I was going to recommend to you guys. And he says that, that everything, keep it, if you want entertainment, keep it gelatinous. <laughs> keep things moving in gelatinous, and that's entertainment. <laughs> if everything's moving, you don't notice when things aren't moving well or properly. So I yeah. think it's the everything's, philosophy. If everything's yeah. just kind of shimmering like jello at all times, you're like, I guess it's supposed to move like that. I guess it Again, doesn't have to. You just summed up everything <laughs> about my my philosophy about performance in Korea. Just if everything's moving, no one's gonna notice how shitty it all is. <laughs> so that's why I give this 10. Sheila's. Oh, oh for God's sake. no! Really? What? How, uh, maybe that is your Sheila count, but what? But I think not. What? How many mm-hmm. Sheila's? I'm thinking maybe a five. I wouldn't not recommend. I don't know. It's it's a it's five Sheila's. That's right on the line. That is not a recommend. If you want to recommend it, oh. you've got to tick up. Yeah, no, nah, I give it a five. five. <laughs> you going five? You can neither recommend it nor not recommend it. It is what it is. I'm not if if you if if someone's like, oh, my kids are watching Space Chimps. I'm not going to be like, don't know whatever you do. Right. For God's sakes. Why do you hate your children? Yeah, yeah. you can't say that. I'll go one higher. I'll go six. 
Okay. I'm a three. I couldn't Ooh. get it going for this. I just couldn't I just couldn't get invested in it. I don't know. Mamma mia, that's a lower Sheila score. Oh, Mamma mia. mia. Yes. You don't want to take a chance on space chimps? <laughs> but it makes so much money, money, money. <laughs> Look at you. Wow, wow. SOS. Jason doesn't like space chimps. You're like you are really that's at least seven segues in there. I was gonna say you are segueing like a fiend. That is great. That is well, that's great. I'll, I'll pick one. I'm segueing it like a dancing queen. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense. No. All right, <laughs> Mama Mia. Every girl has a dream. I want the perfect wedding, and I want my father to give me away. Look at my baby, your whole life ahead of us. Every family. I read Mom's diary. Has a secret. And I have three possible fathers. Oh. My. God. Every wedding. Which one did you invite? Has a few surprises. You always knew how to make an entrance. Donna, played by Meryl Streep, an independent hotelier in the Greek islands, is preparing for her daughter's wedding with the help of two old friends, played by Christine Baranski and Julie Walters. Meanwhile, Sophie, the spirited bride-to-be, played by Amanda Seyfried, has a plan. She secretly invites three men from her mother's past to the nuptials in hopes of meeting her biological father and having him escort her down the aisle. Also starring Pierce Brosnan, Colin Firth, and Stellan Skarsgård, the adaptation of the ABBA jukebox musical made $27.7 million over its opening weekend, $144.1 million domestically, and $611.1 million worldwide. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Mamma Mia, that's a spicy me. (laughs) (laughs) This was such a weird movie. This was a weird, weird movie. Now, I had never seen it before. Me neither. Because... Why? Why would I go? Why would I go see it? Have I don't you know. Seen the I musical just, on stage? No, I never saw the musical on stage oh, because again, oh, me neither. Okay. Why? Okay. Why would I want to? Yeah. I, like ABBA. I like Abba. They're, they're fine, but come on. I mean, they're they're fine. I I get annoyed when people like Abba's their genius. No, they're not. Name me, name one Abba they're album. Very catchy. They're very catchy, but no one can name an Abba. Everyone's got Abba gold. That's it. You have the you have the the, the best of. But yes, absolutely, very catchy. They're uh, uh, great songs. There's a sheen and a polish to them, but there's it, it's it's they're slightly like chintzy and cheesy, mm-hmm. which to oh, me yeah. was very much like this movie. You know, there was yes. it, it was. It was so weird. Kate and Izzy have seen it many times and they really enjoy it. Yeah. And it is a fun movie. But as soon as it started, when it first started, I thought, okay, so this is just like classic musical, you know, mm-hmm. with the girl singing, Amanda Seyfried. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the first number, I was like, oh, wow, this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the name of the song that they do with her and her, and her two friends. Um, oh, I don't remember. Honey, honey, I can't remember. Anyway, money, but. Money, money, yuck, No, it yuck, wasn't yuck, money, yuck. money. That, that, was, that was the first money, one money, that was only. like, that I, that oh, clicked Meryl, with me where Meryl I was like, oh, that. I know that song. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that was when, one. that was when I really started to think, 
wait a minute, what's happening? Where is this? What's going on? And I couldn't. <laughs> and the whole time I'm watching this, and it was. Let me let me just preface it's this. Bizarre. It was fun. It was it was like an ABBA song. It was fun. It yeah. was liked and silly, and I I had a smile on my face. But I also, I was very confused a lot of times because I'm trying to think, what what am I watching? What is this? And I kept checking off. I kept writing down and thinking, oh, it's this. Oh, no, it's this. Oh, and I couldn't. And then finally, it they all added up. And I'm like, because with Money, 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 I'm thinking, this is filmed like a really bad early 80s European video. Mm-hmm. It's got that style to it, which makes sense, you know, because I feel like that's what an ABBA video would look like. It looked like what an ABBA video would have been, you know, like back then. Then I'm going, but wait a minute, but it's also filmed sort of like a like a karaoke video. And then I'm going, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, it's a Mentos commercial. It's it's a 90s Mentos commercial. The Fresh Maker. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. No, it's Xanadu. It's Xanadu. Oh, yeah. yeah. And because there's something, it's it's a shoddily made movie. It's it really weird. Is. It's it's not filmed well. It's really? but I don't know if you that's think so. What makes you what leads you to that conclusion? Everything I just said, Mentos commercial, karaoke yeah, it, video, it bad European look good music to video. Me. It's weird. It's 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 huh. like we and, and even weird slow motion shots to kind of cover like you know movement the, the, that you know they want yeah. quality to it, but it didn't film that way, so they the, they slow the down. The I found really weird. strange. Now huh. again, I remember times I even thought I'm like, oh, it, it, it almost reminded me of the Rocky Horror Picture Show in many ways, just like the shoddiness of it, the B movie aspect to it. Uh, but th- but then again, I kept thinking, but is that by design? Because that's what I would expect of an ABBA video. But then, now look, Meryl Streep is a goddess. We know that. She can do anything. But mm-hmm. there are even times where I thought, I don't know. Mer- I, I, she's not even pulling off the choreography at times. Like the choreography seemed very stilted. Again, I thought, mm-hmm. is that purposeful? I don't know. Uh, but it just, it looked, mm, I thought she, it yeah. looked strange. And I think, but again, I think they might've been leaning into that. They're leaning into the, the, yeah. you know, and I don't mean this to denigrate Abba's music because I, I really do enjoy their music, but it, there is something, you know, a little cheesy about it in the sense that, um, there's a high sheen and gloss to it. It's the songs are very poppy and almost, I don't want to say silly because some of them are deeper, but they're, they're poppy and silly, but they're ultimately very entertaining and catchy. And that's what I think the movie ends up being. But I was slightly embarrassed for all the actors all the way through. (laughs) I really was. And I'm sure they were having a blast. I'm sure they're having the time of their life, but it, I, I admired them. I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel, I, I wasn't embarrassed for them, but I was like, why? Why? I mean, I'm sure there's a huge paycheck <laughs> attached to this. Um, and the musical is very popular. I expected it to be a lot better, a lot more polished, a lot more 
a lot more delightful because it is a very popular movie, especially yeah. with with women and, and younger girls. I know you said Izzy's watched a lot with Kate. I know my, yeah. my niece has watched it a lot with my sister mm. and loves it, loves it, loves the second one, too. Oh, wow. And because of the pedigree of the of the the actors involved, I thought, oh, it's going to be. I thought it, I was really setting myself up for it to be delightful. And, and I found yeah. it a very kind of bizarre experience. And I, <laughs> I did. I, I thought I thought Meryl Streep was great. I kind of thought they were all great. Like they they didn't. Christine Baranski, I'm always kind of take her to leave it with her. I thought Julie Walters was especially good. Yes, I thought she I was her. really fun because they yeah. I mean, and I know what you're saying about the embarrassment factor where you're like, oh, geez, you know, but I was like, they're so committed. I I pulled myself away from the embarrassment long enough to be like, wow, only really strong actors can commit yes. <laughs> the way they're committing to this. Yeah, uh, right. I, so I thought, I, I thought that was great. I thought the guys were all great too. Like Pierce Brosnan, I was so impressed with because holy shit, he cannot sing at no, all. He cannot. But, no, but he, it takes a lot to stand there and deliver the lyrics and try like that and not, yeah. Like you don't see anything in his face that's I think actually what I think you see in his face is so 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 I don't sing. Look at me. I'm Pierce Brosnan. And exactly. that was his confidence uh, at all times and his yeah. his his lack of uh, self-consciousness about the singing was very, very uh, inviting. And I, yeah, I, I really right. liked him. Whatever happened to our love, I wish I understood. It used to be so nice, it used to be so good Let me stop for a second. Sorry. Colin Firth, because I was absolutely confused, and I even mentioned this to Izzy, yeah. and she was like, what are you talking about? So Colin Firth's character is gay, Correct. right? Yeah. When is that? I, I think the moment you see him being like, I like guys, that's the, yeah. you know, I don't think I it's like revealed this guy right earlier here. than... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was wondering if I was missing something. Because he has that speech to Stellan Skarsgård, who I thought was right. very, you know, he was fun as well. <laughs> he was very fun. Scene, yeah. But I was thinking, I, I loves was, to be naked in movies. Stellan Skarsgård. He really does. Oh my god, again. you're Even right. Even for four, he's just he just yeah. gets naked. God bless him. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. You're saying I, he, I just uh, found Firth that to be a confusing scene. plot point, you know. And it wasn't until the end uh, where he's there with this his sexy. Greek boy, but it was just, yeah. and it's also, you know what it's, it, and, and I guess I'm assuming this is straight from the stage show. I mean, it's really, I feel like this is why people have disdain for jukebox musicals um, because it's just the thinnest of, I mean, the song's barely fit, barely yes. fit into the plot. That's I mean, they really the don't, yeah. winner don't takes it all. She's standing there singing, Meryl Streep acting and singing her heart out with oh, winner God, takes yeah. it all. And I was like, I guess this slides in here, but like, Oh my God, I felt, I did yeah. feel bad for her, but I thought she was doing a great job, but I was like, it, it wasn't because it wasn't done well. It was, I was like, it's because it does feel 
shoehorned like the songs are shoehorned yeah. in an uncomfortable way they yeah. all kind of do it's all you know you're absolutely right fred with the i haven't i don't know that i've seen that many jukebox musicals that aren't like just you know reviews of things you know but right. but um this one is i mean the most famous one is is really uh singing in the rain right and i think that that you know i mean that's just popular songs of the day uh, I don't think any of them are written for that musical is, is my understand. That's always been my understanding about that. Yeah, about that musical. It's like the they times. just took a bunch of hit songs of the, of the day and went, you know, here, they, here, let's shove them into a story. And that's pretty thin. You know, now we're going to sing about mm-hmm. comedy. Now we're going to sing about, now he's going to sing in the rain because he's yeah. in love. And, and, and this, you know, musicals like this, I think attempt to do that. And it's a very hard thing um, to do, but I think that most of the time with this show, I've seen, I've seen it on stage and this is the second time I think I've seen the movie. I think it is actually six more successful, successful more times than it isn't, but you're Hmm. right. You do kind of have that sense of like, Oh, that's how they made, you know, um, does your mother know work? Oh, that's how they're making Dancing Queen mm. work. They're actually used to be a singing group, you know, um, Donna and the Dynamos, you know. Oh, that's yeah. how they're making this ABBA song fit in here. You do you do get that sense. But I, I think it works more often than it doesn't. I really like this movie. I really think that it's that it was fun. It was moving. I teared up a couple of times. Amanda Seyfried, she's dynamite in it. I think she she's steals very, the whole movie good. from everyone. I think she takes it yeah, and she's runs very with good. it from everybody because she is a hundred percent legit, and she's the heart of it. I thought she was the heart of the movie more than than Meryl Streep was. I love kind the Greek of, chorus of of sort of Grecians, you know. I love that part. of Philida Lloyd is a big, big theater director. She's directed a lot of Shakespeare and a lot of Brecht and a say, lot she's of done Greeks no and film. everything. She did this in the Iron Lady. This in the Iron you know? Lady. Yeah. yeah, and but, but she's that's really big. Yeah. Big theater director um, uh, and, and famously um, directed this um, trilogy of all all woman uh, Shakespeare cast um, uh, Henry the Fourth, The Tempest, and something else, uh, Julius Caesar, um, a few years back that were running in in repertory with mm-hmm. all female casts, and that was like a, a big game changer as far as like that goes uh, uh, in, in in theater. And so she makes sort of the Greek. Um, and then directed Mamma Mia, of course. And she makes sort of the, all of the Greek people of the island, you know, the Greek chorus as they would be um, in a Greek comedy or Greek tragedy. I thought that was really fun did, and really cool. Did she kind of direct cool. this on stage? Yeah. Was she, she the director of the Broadway show? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, again, not, and maybe that's why it's, it's, you know, it, that's a hard thing, right? Is to say, okay, how am I going to make this into something 
that that is that is filmable and usually they get a you know you get a a, a film director with more experience to do it. it and sometimes it's successful and sometimes it isn't i think the least successful is actually show we've mentioned here a couple of t- a couple of times on this episode the producers you know that the film oh. of that uh, the film yes, of the yes. musical of that is not, not it's, it's not well that talk deadly. about shoddy it's just like yeah. it's really deadly because it, it doesn't it's not filmed like a movie I don't know. I guess, like I said before, you know, maybe, maybe she was successful as a director in the sense that she was trying to go for this, this heightened, you know, this like ABBA video look, you know, because I I do, I don't think it, but I wish Mm -hmm. it went a little further with it. I wish it went more Xanadu, you know, almost slight. Yeah, yeah, that's what it it kept missing for me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was just in this weird, it was a weird, and I, I don't know, I don't know if this is going to make sense. There was something, so the, the movie ends, and there's a shot of of the three women of Donna and and her and and you know Christine Bransky, Meryl Streep, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Julie Walters, Julie Walters, uh, singing on stage, and like they're just fucking around. And Meryl oh, Streep's like, "You very, want another one?" It's very you odd. Want a- and it's sort of it's that's strange. when I sort of felt a little embarrassed. Yeah. But I thought, wait a minute, is Meryl Streep playing? Like, is she trying to? Is she pretending to be a bad karaoke singer now, like who's slightly drunk? It may have been, you know, but there was something about that moment, which I was like, oh, that's the whole movie to me. That's, that's <laughs> it right there. That yeah. weird. It's odd. What are they doing? Am I embarrassed for them? Do, <laughs> are they playing that up? Do they know what they're doing? Are they, should they be going further? I it just, I felt unsettled the whole movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's very strange yeah, for Meryl yeah. Streep to go, you want another one? And you're kind of going, what is happening in my living room right now? It's very odd. Very, very odd. You're right. I, uh, I don't know this movie. I, uh, <laughs> There was one nice shot in it in the whole movie. One night, one thing oh, that was like, that's pretty to look at. Lovely. No, just the last shot of like the men on the dock and the, I thought that was very, I was like, oh, that's beautiful. And the beginning of the movie too with Amanda Seyfried, I was like, oh, what kind of movie is this? Um, yeah. No, something garish about the whole thing, but not, again, not garish enough maybe. <laughs> so it was, yeah. I, I also hate movies where, and there are two scenes like this back to back and and this is probably intentional too because it's like saying, oh, Amanda to say Fried is like her mother and then her relationship with her friends is like the mom and her friends but right i they can't do watch with adults giggle like manically for for too long around <laughs> each, i mean they just agree i was like that was I, like the whole first 25 minutes of this movie it was just like oh, oh my god oh my god i couldn't i couldn't i didn't like it. the three women together i didn't like when christine baranski meryl streep and julie walt when they were together i don't know i didn't like it it, oh, I was, I it. it was yeah too, i didn't really but it made me again it just made me keep i'm like this is like a bad early 80s movie and maybe that's what they're doing i don't know but i didn't uh even the way they were acting the way they were dealing with each other i did i (laughs) i didn't like it i didn't like the and it wasn't just the women i didn't like when the guys were i know being silly with each other i don't know it's just vacation together i was like what what are you guys doing what's happening (laughs) it's a very thin movie let's say i mean you know it's it's like it's very silly but maybe that's what it is and i think maybe you're right and look uh, the the dvd that we have there's a sing-along version so i'm sure like i mentioned rocky horror before you know i'm sure it's probably a lot of fun yeah 
when you're, but I don't know. Do I, is that how, is that how you go in to make a movie? Like this is going to be really fun, but only if you're drunk with all your friends at midnight <laughs> with that, confetti. That's how yes. we make a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're a bunch of giggly adults. That doesn't mean you don't like us. That's very that's true. We do. That's very true. You're right. I did like, uh, Take a chance on me. That was my favorite part of the movie. The Julie Walters. Julie Walters. Yeah, with Jane. Take a chance on me. Boo! I thought it was I liked how it started. I thought it was really fun. If you change your mind, I'm the first in line. Honey, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. But again, I just kept expecting Stellan Skarsgård to turn to the camera with a pack of Mentos. You're like, the fresh maker. Das fresh maker. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, How many SOS Sheilas? Uh, save our Sheila. Um, How many Sheila Katitas? I'm going to go 7.5 on it. I enjoy this movie. I had a lot of fun. I, I even teared up a couple of times. I love the little scene between Meryl Streep and Amanda Seyfried where she's getting her ready for the wedding and stuff. I love that. Like that. I thought that was a lovely little little set piece there. And and uh, um, and they're singing with each other. I thought that was lovely. And I thought Christine Baranski's number on the beach, Does Your Mother Know? She can move. Holy shit. She's, I mean, she can, you know, kick and dance and everything. I mean, she's a, she's a legit dancer. Legit, legit singer dancer. That was was more disturbing than anything Heath Ledger does in the dark (laughs) to me, that number. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy this movie. I'm going 7.5. I'll give it a six. All right. I'm 5.5. And I was, I was five. I was like, I can't recommend it, but I'm not going to not recommend, but I'll go 0.5 because I, you know, because Pierce Brosnan sings because Pierce Brosnan, Pierce is, because Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan is very sings. committed. Julie yes. Walters is very funny. Meryl Streep's yeah. incredibly game. Amanda Seyfried is, you're Lovely. right. She's like the suits, the enterprise the most. I just, as a movie, it was like a, a weird <laughs> It was as a movie. It was like Jeff Daniels, like oddly animated alien guy from Space <laughs> Chips to me. It was just moving. a gelatinous and it never stopped yes. moving. Yeah, gelatinous, op- uh, 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 transparent, and <laughs> never stops moving. But fun enough. But fun, but fun enough for government work. Speaking of fun enough, there's some stuff in the in the mail sack. We'll make it quick. But uh, let, let me just open it up. Oh my gosh! So many things in the mass. I did, oh. oh my god! <laughs> I never like it when I hear the <laughs> flappity flap 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 of the mail sack, and then there's a pause, and Dan just goes, "Oh, oh, oh my I god!" I always figure it's a murder hornet. I always figure it's a dead murder hornet. <laughs> oh god! What is it? it? May I'm scared. As, it may as well be premiering soon. Oh no! Even miracles take a little time. Oh my god! Look at this. They're wearing. <laughs> It's the two of them. It's Richard and Sheila wearing, wearing, they're in denim jeans, but it says there's nothing like a brand new pair of jeans, G-E-N-E-S. Oh no. We're going to need a bigger minivan. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, it's ungodly. It's ungodly. Wait, there's another one here. Oh it's the it's the two of them dressed like Meryl Streep and Christine Baranski at the end of the movie. Mama 
Mia and baby makes three. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, here's another one. Oh, it's a wait. This is Richard dressed as his character from from Mr. Holland's opus. Some people just want to watch the world. It's, it's Richard dressed <laughs> as his character from Mr. Holland's opus. Some people just want to watch the world learn. <laughs> wait, here's another one. Oh, he's dressed as his character from Nuts. Some people just want to watch the world adjourn. Make any sense? Oh, he's in. Now it's him in. This is just him promoting himself. This isn't a baby announcement. He's his character from from Close Encounters. Some people just want to watch the world sunburn. Make any goddamn sense? And then, oh, it's he and Sheila dressed like the space chimps. Houston, we have a problem. A problem caused by the fact that we managed to have sex. Well, <laughs> they're having a baby, you guys. Oh, Mazel tov? God. That's... <laughs> I like how the... I'm, I'm like, how is the some... Some men just want to watch the world learn. <laughs> like, how is that a birth announcement? <laughs> that's he just goes saying. off on tangents sometimes. <laughs> yeah, does. well, that's amazing. Wow. That is They're horrifying. registered at PetSmart and at Burt's Bees, <laughs> in case anyone wants to. Wait, what was the second one? Burt's Bees. I don't even know if that's a store. <laughs> you get that. I'm sure there's an online shop. I'm sure there is. If anyone wants to get them anything, <laughs> they're having smart. a baby. You guys, what oh, are we going oh to God. do? Mm. Oh, this I, unholy union. If people don't know, Richard Dreyfus is now half salmon and half quail. Sure. Of His course. genes have been spliced by the nefarious Dr. Merlot. Uh, and uh, of course, Sheila is, and is, and has been for nigh on a year now. Half murder yeah. hornet. And they're, uh, they're married and they're having a baby. Oh, oh God, God. What is this unholy union going to spawn? I don't know. But I don't know who will do the voice. Oh, wait. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. Premiering soon. September 2021. Boy, that they made quick Whoa, work. That's, wow. That's, oh my God. Is that, I guess that's the gestation. That's the gestational for, for, life of a, a salmon bee hornet. Uh, fish yeah, when you thing. combine all those, oh yeah. my god, that thing's—that's yeah. not gonna. That's gonna be like one of those <laughs> mistakes at the beginning of the fly. It's not gonna come out correctly. <laughs> I don't oh, think. God. We'll see. We will Brundle see. Salmon. God, it's god gonna be Brundle salmon. <laughs> it's gonna be salmon. It's gonna be a dark night when that. Baby's I had that for born. lunch. <laughs> oh, dark, now I stepped on it. Oh. <laughs> It sure is. Uh, you didn't hear Fred say it. <laughs> he did a transition <laughs> into the dark night. Where do we begin? A year ago, these uh, cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. I mean, what happened? So what are you proposing? It's simple. Kill the Batman. Here's my card. Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Rachel's told me everything about you. I certainly hope not. You once told me that we'd be together. Did you mean it? Bruce, don't make me your only hope for a normal life. 
With the help of Lieutenant Jim Gordon, played by Gary Oldman, and District Attorney Harvey Dent, played by Aaron Eckhart, the Batman, played by Christian Bale, has been able to virtually eliminate organized crime in Gotham City. But when a vile young criminal calling himself the Joker, played by Heath Ledger, suddenly throws the city into chaos, the caped crusader begins to tread the fine line between hero and vigilante. Also starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight obliterated box office records, buoyed by stellar reviews and the mesmerizing performance of the late Heath Ledger, who won a posthumous Oscar for his work. The Dark Knight enjoyed a staggering $158.4 million opening weekend, a $534.9 million domestic haul, and worldwide earnings of $1 billion, $6 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of The Dark Knight? I've seen this movie now. This is probably the fourth, maybe fifth time I've seen it. You're going to hate me. Each time I'm more baffled by the movie. And I, I, I don't know what, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I'm baffled by the story. I'm baffled by its success. <laughs> I'm baffled by what I'm supposed to get out of it. I'm, I just find it a baffling movie. The performances are good. He there's there's I can't find a, a flaw in that, especially um, um, Aaron Eckhart and Mary, Maggie Gyllenhaal, that they re- were really awakened to me in this rewatch. You know, of course, Heath Ledger's uh, t- terrific in it. And 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 um, but I guess maybe baffling is the wrong word, but it's more like um, elusive. It's it's elusive to me. I don't know. I, I don't know by the end of it what I am supposed to What's the big takeaway supposed to be for me? Is it that, is it, and I know that it comes from the comic and it's beloved and everything, but I just, if Batman himself is not, um, if I can't hook into the main character's journey and struggle and his um, deep-seated need to save and then abandon or become the villain and thereby save the city. If I can't hook into that, I don't know. I don't know what my emotional anchor is into this movie because it's not Heath Ledger, you know, because of because he's I, I, because he's so um, he, 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 he's so myster- he's so mysterious and he's and he's you don't know what to believe and what not to believe. He's the chaos element, as mm-hmm. he says. So it's not him. In a way, it's it's Commissioner Gordon a little. In a way, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal and Aaron Eckhart a little, you know, and they're so good in it. But I got to hook into Batman and I, I, I Christian Bale just turns me off. He is he is um, he's dour. He's sour. I don't know. I, I want a, he's the opposite of Christopher Reeve. <laughs> he's the opposite of that. And I think he's meant to be right because it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, but. I look at Christopher Reeve for five minutes and I'm like, yes, I am hooked in heart and soul to this guy's story and this guy's journey in Superman, too. And how he asked me how he feels like he's got to leave, leave things. And then he comes back. And I guess that happens in the third movie in this trilogy. Um, but I, I can't I can't hook into his heart, his soul, his journey. And that leaves me very, very, very cold with this movie. And I go, but people fucking love it they love it and there's and i know you guys love it and it and and they're whole hog into this movie and some people 
you know, believe this to be just the perfect superhero movie because of the because of all of because of all of that. And I just um, I have I have trouble with it. I, I am I'm it leaves me very, very cold inside. And each time I've watched it, I've felt the exact same way more this time than ever before. I'm just kind of like, I don't I don't I don't know where my heart is supposed to go in this movie. So, you know, other than Michael Caine, really, you know, um, I feel for him in it. I do. I do. Actually, my heart swells whenever he's, you know, trying to get Bruce to not die, (laughs) you know, trying to protect him. I'm like, yeah, that's something I can hook into. I would love a whole movie about that, (laughs) about that relationship of like, does Taylor like it? Have you ever watched my heart supposed to be feeling it? Why am I not feeling it? She loves it. Yeah, she loves it. Yeah, she absolutely loves and loves Christian Bale and, and thinks wow. he's he's dynamite. And I, I you know, as yeah. I've said on this podcast, Is Taylor before, around right now? He, he was very good <laughs> as Dick Cheney. Why are you going to tell her to leave me? Because I don't like this movie. <laughs> no, I was just going to see if she can replace you because oh, good. I oh, good. Fired. Yeah. replace I fired. me on the podcast. Explain. So what I'm saying no, is explain this movie to me and explain why I should, you know, my heart should be soaring um, with this. Piece. I, um, I mean, Fred, you go ahead. I, I, I mean, I don't think your heart should be soaring. With oh, okay. It, but I actually, no, I don't think there's. What's any, the emotional I mean, buy-in? What is the emotional buy-in? Well, for me, I mean, it's it's the whole package. I, I, I find. I mean, I get it. I, I can see. And I know you've, I've, I've, I've heard that argument from you before. I know you've mentioned that in the past. I just love it as a, as a cinematic filmic experience. Uh, from start to finish. I, I love, I mean, it's hard to talk about and and maybe that's a problem. Like, I don't know. I mean, okay. To address your question um, specifically, I think the buy-in is this guy who is this, who is a tortured uh, hero of Gotham, someone who's trying to do good, who thinks that he may be you know, has found a way to do that. And he's maybe found a way to get out. He's found a way to find peace to say, okay, the Batman can leave because we have someone like Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's just, everything is turned upside down literally by this chaos that he never, by someone who isn't, you know, uh, trying to to take over Gotham or to make the most money, who just really just wants to watch the world burn. And, so to me, that's the emotional hook of seeing these people trying to do the right thing and being pulled in, being pulled back and not being able to yeah. to rise above that. Then I, I need a lead a, actor kind of, who can fit that bill is, I guess, my my I, my I, I understand everything you're saying and I agree with it, that that should be what emotionally hooks me in. But then I, I need a not Christian Bale who most of the time I'm looking at him and going, this guy's a dick. But that's also, but I don't want that in my Batman necessarily. Yeah, I understand. You know, to me, it's very different than, and look, and I'm not, I'm not, I've never been, I'm not a huge Batman fanatic, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Jason or or Bob or other people that we know. Like I, I, I enjoy the mythos of it and the character, but I don't have, but I, you know, the stakes aren't as high for me of like, this is what Batman should be. Yeah. But there is that darker element. And to me, he's a tortured guy. He's a guy who's got demons and is trying to work through those demons and is in many ways just as crazy as the Joker, you know, which we talked about with Tim Burton's Batman, which is what I always like about Michael Keaton is there's something you could see him going that way as well. Uh, and I, and to me, Christian Bale so does play that Keaton. very well. I see it so I, I, much more with Keaton. I get that from Christian Bale. I get that from him, but 
But for me, it's to me as a movie as a whole. I really do love everything about it. I think originally they were thinking about doing three movies. I saw an interview with Christopher Nolan and they said, no, let's just focus on, you know, Batman Begins and tell that. And then they felt the same thing with Dark Knight. Let's just do this. But it does does really fit into a a trilogy. And I recently watched The Dark Knight Rises. I hadn't seen it since it opened. Yeah, we're in the middle of watching it again now. Yeah, I loved it. I think it's fantastic. I remember really liking it when I saw it in the theater. But then it sort of faded away, I think, just because The Dark Knight has such an impression, yeah. and especially Heath Ledger. Uh, but I, I really like The Dark Knight Rises a lot. It might be my favorite out of all of them, yeah. actually, come yeah. to think of it. But I... I need to watch that again. I don't know. I, to to I think that that's again, the uplift you're talking about, Dan, is that even though, yes, they're okay. they're three separate entities, these movies, but they do lock together, and this is the okay. Empire Strikes Back moment. This is Everything is Lost. This is the yeah. Everything is Lost chapter... Uh, and that does resolve itself in the third movie, but it is interesting. They did seek to make them all as individual films. So you're right. Where is the, where is the uplift? Where is the hope? It's such an, uh, an, a nihilistic movie in so many ways, totally. it seems like. But to me, and Kate and I are watching it again, and she hasn't watched it in a long time, but obviously I've seen this many, many times. Mm. This was, I loved it more than ever on this rewatch. I found oh, okay. it. Me too. So, and I've seen it so many times, but it still has the power to surprise me, engage me, make my mouth hang open, agape, make me, I laugh out loud. You know, I mean, Heath Ledger's, we'll get to him, he's perfection. But I was, and I was more moved by this story than I've ever been before. And I, like, really brought to the point of tears. And for me, and it's interesting, and you may say this is a flaw, because Christopher Nolan has always said it's really a story about Gotham City. It's about Gotham City and a place trying to be better, a, a, a people trying to be better. And when you talk about the main character in this movie, I think the main character is really a triumvirate. I think it's those three men trying to come together to make the city a better place and making a gamble mm. that, you know, that, that, that they can that they can do it. And then this monkey wrench, Heath Ledger comes in and throws everything out of whack and all the good they're trying to do starts getting dismantled. And the two men who are left at the end of it have to make a, a basically a bargain with the devil to lie to the city and to lie to the people to try to to try to keep that ball in the air and try to keep Gotham from slipping into the darkness. It, but you're but that is a valid criticism to say, well, my main character is dispersed into three or in a larger level is 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 an abstraction that is the soul of the city. Uh, but but if you can buy into that, to me, it's the scene which actually gets critiqued a lot because the movie is so long the scene with the two ferries those two boats when the people choose when when they're put in that impossible position when the joker puts them in that horrible horrible position if you kill the other boat i won't kill you but if neither one of you is willing to take the lives of the other people i destroy you all and and they don't go there, even though you even see the civilians take a vote, which two to one favors blowing up a boat of prisoners to save their own skin. And yet still somebody's got to do it. One person has to. That's why, you know, one person has their finger on the button. What we constantly talk about with the president, like, like, do you have a person there who is willing to make that call? And they don't ultimately like Like even the person who's most vociferous about saying, look, why should we suffer for the good of others? can't bring himself to it. And that that one moment is where you see a flicker of vulnerability 
and disappointment in Heath Ledger's eyes in the movies when he realizes those boats won't blow each other up when he realize he can't push the people into he can't plunge them into ultimate chaos and that's the triumph of the movie to me more than more than anything um you, you know the, i think that's the it, uplift of the you describing it just now gave me chills more than the movie <laughs> than more than and more than when it took place in the movie mm-hmm, it went mm-hmm. it went and i don't know if i'm going it wasn't that i saw that sequence in the movie and went that's silly i went um, yeah, and I, I wish I could remember back to when I first saw the movie and whether I was on the edge of my seat or not in that moment and going, oh, my God, are they or aren't they? You know, is the Joker going to win? I don't remember what I felt in that in that moment. But you describing it is going, wow, I wish I had I wish I had bought in as emotionally to to what I to my my heart fluttering and my my hands shaking as you were just describing it just now. I'm like, that's a fucking amazing thing that this movie is attempting to do. Uh, and. I just wasn't. Yeah, no, I just wasn't there with it on this rewatch. But I wish I could remember if I was or not on the first time. You know, I, I think you know, and and the movie is like you know, it's it's a political allegory. It's uh, you know, it's, sure. it's again, it's one it's one of these post nine eleven movies, and it and a lot of people said at the time it's the first movie that really felt like in your bones felt actively post 9-11 that it was a yeah. comment on terrorism and what terrorism and the response, yeah, what your response to terrorism. How that defines you and what that says about an individual or or uh, or a group of people. How far are we willing to go? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, right? So, so uh, I think he pushes them to that edge, and he he never successfully. Batman never kills anybody. Although he says he will at the end to make because that's the thing, too. I do see in Christian Bale, there's a beautiful arc to him because he is, you know, people complain. They say, I can't believe the the big knock against Dark Knight Rises for a lot of people is he would never retire. Batman would never retire. He's Batman. He's going to do it forever. But in the reality of a movie, you know, the man's going to age. He's going to, you know, he wants to have an arc. He wants to the story wants to have a beginning, middle and end. And the truth is, from the very first film. And again, you're looking at a, a piece of a triptych. In the very first film, he says, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to. It's torture. I don't know any other way, but I really hope I can stop and have a normal life someday. And he wants to have that with Rachel Dawes. And then in this film, he sees the chance and the hope is in Harvey Dent. And the he white sees knight. that. Yeah. The white yeah. knight. Because they're very similar characters. It's like he he's like. He'll do all the things I'm doing, but he'll do right. them through the system and he'll do them without a mask. And he'll do he's a, he's the right way to go. He's, he he's, will inspire he's, people to be good. Yes. And all I yeah, am yeah. I'm, and I'm the opposite. I'm literally I chose this mantle of the ba- to frighten people, to, to, to target the bad people and scare them as opposed to inspiring the good people. They are really flip sides of a coin. I think you know, thematically, I think this movie's got a lot going on. How could you want to raise children in a city like this? Well, I, I was raised here. I turned out okay. Is Wayne Manor in the city limits? Is, <laughs> the Palisades? Sure. You know, as our new DA, you might want to figure out uh, where your jurisdiction ends. I'm talking about the kind of city that idolizes a masked vigilante. Gotham City is proud of an ordinary citizen standing up for what's right. Gotham needs heroes like you, elected officials, not a man who thinks he is above exactly. the law. Exactly. Who appointed the Batman? We did. All of us who stood by and let scum take control of our city. But this is a democracy, Harvey. When their enemies were at the gates, the Romans would suspend democracy and appoint one man to protect the city. 
and it wasn't considered an honor. It was considered a public service. Harvey, the last man that they appointed to protect the Republic was named Caesar, and he never gave up his power. Okay, fine. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I just, I, I, you know, very much, and you know, you guys will groan, uh, but very much like Blade Runner, I, I love how this movie makes me feel, and I, I, and I like that it makes. Like Ben recently rewatched it on the plane coming back from our trip to Puerto Rico, and uh, you know, I was like, "What'd you think? Did you like it as much?" And he's like, "I did." He's like, "It's," he's like, "It's, it's a." freaky movie it's scary you know and it is it's dark and i like that and, and you know you said it before it's like you feel it in your bones uh and and that to me like i think christopher nolan is a just a fucking brilliant filmmaker and he sets it up like i love i love the opening shot that and he does this throughout the movie where there's all these aerial shots from above and it's always moving everything's it's like something is coming the yeah. movie starts and it, the, the smoke clears and immediately you have that discordant that that joker theme which i i wanted to I, the, the thing that really stuck with me and i want to talk about it in uh, more detail in a bit is the music the music in this movie is oh, fucking yeah. brilliant. Um, and that it's chord. two notes. Yeah, those notes. It's two chords mm. uh, for, for both, for the Joker and the Dark Knight theme. And But you have that Joker, just that like, it's almost like an air raid siren, yeah. that sound. And it's just coming. And I... And I and, and throughout the movie that it's always in motion, it's always from above, and there's something ominous about it. Um, the, the color scheme, there's something very Michael Mann about it. It's very. It reminds me of Heat. It, it, actually, it is. It's, I think yeah. it's modeled on that a little bit, and it got it got uh, compared to that a lot when it first opened. Yeah, yeah. And just the feel, and like you were saying about Gotham, like because to me, Heat is very much. It's, it's all these different characters, and it's about the city. Really, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what this. You're right, Jason. This this movie is really about Gotham and the citizens, and so just the way it all looks. I love the look of it, um, and I mean, but and then I mean, I would I would look. I would give it a ten for Heath Ledger's performance alone. Yeah, I mean his, and and I don't and you know I don't like when people say you know the movies the movie's not great but the performance is so good that I'll forgive everything else. Um, but because I, I do think the movie holds up to that. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'd give it a, a I, I don't know. I'll see where, where we get to the end, where I, <laughs> where I end up going, yeah. but his performance to me is up there with anything Daniel day Lewis has done, anything Pacino, Meryl Streep. I mean, it's, I think it is one of the, maybe top three greatest performances on film. It's my favorite ever. performance it, on film. It, it might be my time. number one as well. Yeah. I, wow. I, it, it's a wow. lesson in film acting and you could take just that first scene alone when he first walks in. If Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen The Dark Knight, I don't want to dismiss what Dan said. He makes some very good points, but go, especially mm -hmm. if you love acting and you love film, stop listening to us for a second Go watch the movie or just watch that first scene because it's, to me, and I said this on the superhero episode, that's fucking Brando first appearing on stage in, in Streetcar Named Desire. That's cataclysmic. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. You see, Batman has shown Gotham your true colors, unfortunately. Dent, he's just the beginning. What do you propose? 
It's simple. We uh, kill the Batman. <laughs> if it's so simple, why haven't you done it already? If you're good at something, never do it for free. How much you want? Uh, half. <laughs> you're crazy. I'm not. No, I'm not. The choices he makes are just so... I don't know. It's just... It's... it's it's altering. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's delicious. Amazing. You, you t- it's, uh, it's, it's so unpredictable. Yes. It's so, so yes. And it, and it's always that way. And I've seen this movie so many times. And each time I go into it thinking, maybe I'm not going to like his performance as much. And it's still fucking terrifying and completely unpredictable. You're exactly right, Jason. Every single time I keep so waiting funny. to find the crack. Yeah very funny which makes it even more disturbing when you have those moments of him in the cop car shaking his hair out realizing yeah. oh no he's he's a fucking lunatic oh yeah and well, that he- scene when he's talking with the gangsters just those little moments where he says where he says a guy like me a freak his reaction to that yeah. oh he's- it's amazing where he's like slightly insulted but a little hurt it's this it's i think it's one of the scariest performances ever put on film yeah. You know, look, he, and then he says, he says, he, you know, he says later on, he's like, oh, do I look like a guy with a plan? But yes, he does. That's a, that's, it's all about, yeah. it's all about creating Deception. this veneer of sloppiness, yeah. unpredictability, ramshackle, the way right. he walks, the way he moves, the, yes. the, 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 the filthiness of him, that all of it is, you know, he uh, uh, supposed to be a cover for, uh, he says I'm a chaos element, but yet everything in this movie, yes, if you want to go back and measured. try to pick apart like, how does all do all these things happen? The intricate web of planning so that well must planned. have occurred is exactly. completely at odds with what yeah. he's saying and how he appears. And that's the magic yeah. trick. When he's when his first thing is saying, mm, uh, "You want to see a magic right. trick?" The whole fucking yes. movie's a magic trick. And then yeah. Christopher Nolan loves yeah. that, and obviously he made a movie, The Prestige, about right. magicians. But he's mm. a magician. Christopher Nolan's a magician, and the Joker's a magician. And that's what, because it's all sleight of hand. You don't see so many of these things coming in if you think too hard about it you you know if you want to look into the logic of well how did he get guys up on that how did he do that at that moment how did he know the helicopter would come no that's but that's the that's the threat that's the that's the looming aerial shot that's the jaws like quality of, yeah. of, of Heath Ledger's performances that it's it's omnipresent it's omniscient and he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake there's windows all <laughs> everything is they talk about windows so much in this movie. Every building is big, mm. clear windows. You can see yeah. everything, everything at all times. Everyone is vulnerable. Everyone's being examined. Nobody's safe. It's really. And that's a big theme in the movie, too. You know, when when Christian yeah. when Batman wants to watch everyone and Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman's like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, I'll do that. But then I'm out, yeah. you know, because yeah. that's that's crossing the line. It's, it's right. the movie so much about what is your moral line? What what? Yeah. what line the, yes. won't you cross and yeah. that's yeah. the thing you know, is, and they, they all have it they all have it and who's corruptible and who is not right and that's yeah. why the white knight harvey dent that's a, such an interesting story to me is he he ultimately does become corruptible but he has to lose his the love of his life and lose half of his face lose half yeah. of himself in order yeah. to then be murderous right and it's it's a that's a deeply powerful um, statement that the movie is making, but I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm going, yeah, you know, cause you, you mentioned nine 11 and, and terrorism and everything. And, and you go, well, wait, how did the, and, and how did that, how did it occur? 
as you say, the intricate planning that must have occurred in order for this chaotic, you know, we want to watch the world burn sort of event that happened on that day. Well, they would have had to have gone to school to learn how to fly planes. Well, guess what? They fucking did. You know, they would have had to have planned planned what they were going to bring onto the plane intricately and, and have had these things all in place. You know, months, if not years of planning. And you're putting mm-hmm. me in mind of like what the Joker must have done. And and again, like you say, how he's presenting himself in contrast um, to that and saying, though, I look like a guy with a plan um, that is that is deeply powerful. And you, you can't see this movie and not think of 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 9-11 and of and of the, the chaos element that terrorism um, presents and 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 represents. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. The mob has plans. The cops have plans. Gordon's got plans. You know, they're schemers. Schemers trying to control their little worlds. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. You know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that like a gangbanger will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up, nobody panics. Because it's all part of the plan. You know, one thing's for sure. Heath Ledger is no Cesar Romero. Um, <laughs> that is for I sure. You're right. Really, yes. <laughs> I really, um, you know, I, I admire uh, his performance for its elusiveness for for the for the for the way that you can never get your thumb on it. You can never get a full bead on it. It for what it doesn't reveal. And I think that's oh, yeah. the that's the the one the 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 wonderful the, the most wonderful thing about his his performance is the fact that there are no answers by the end yeah. of it. He does not. You don't not, know how he got those scars. No, you don't. I love it. I love how he that changes. He doesn't tell you in his eyes. He doesn't tell you a damn thing. It is all hidden underneath layers and layers and layers of his own, you know, whatever he has crafted brilliantly that you will never see. And it's a great testament to what the power of, as an actor, the power of having secrets, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and which, which, are, which is a really important tool for an actor to use. The, the crazy thing, yes, and he apparently went and worked for like a month or months in a hotel by himself and came up with the walk and the voice, which if you watch old footage of Tom Waits, mm. Tom Waits, he yeah. really took a lot yeah. from that. He took a lot mm. from Clockwork Orange. He took a lot. He yeah. ventriloquist dummies, fascinating. He did all sorts of the outside work is incredible, right? Yeah. All of that working outside in. But also those stories about the scars. I, this time I've seen it so many times and I watched it again and I was like, oh, this is what it must have felt like the first time I saw it. He tells the first story and you believe it. You figure, well, yeah. that's it. Oh, shit. His father was a, his father abused him. And then he yeah. goes and he tells the second time to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Totally new story. Mm-hmm. But it looks like he believes it. One, you're like. Both oh, must yeah. be true. They're so you know they're both lies, probably, and yet at the yeah. same time you're like, can they both be true? <laughs> yeah. He's that. Right. It's 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 so chilling. And at that when that point comes, relatively early, still in the movie, when you're like, 
oh, we're not even going to find out the truth about this. Deep we're never going to know what happened to his mouth because we'll never yeah. be able to believe anything he tells us later. Even Correct. if he's crying and on his knees and being waterboarded and he's saying, I won't believe, I won't know that I can believe it because he seems to believe it so fully when he's telling completely different stories. It's incredible. The only other little thing I want to say is we talk about the flip side of the coin with Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne, but Mm. there's in that scene (laughs) where he tells the scar story for the second time, there's a great little flip in terms of like seeing Joker and Batman as two sides of the same coin. And which of course they always say about those characters. But uh, in that penthouse scene, that big penthouse scene, when Bruce Wayne comes in off the helicopter, the first thing he says is where's Harvey Dent. When the Joker comes in with the shotgun, uh, first thing he says is, where's Harvey Dent? And they both have moments because of the purity of these guys and how clear their heads have to be for good and for evil. They both have shots where they have glasses of champagne and they throw the champagne out. Yes, I noticed that too this time. Bruce Wayne is like, he's, you know, he's toasting and he plays like he's the drunk playboy. He goes out on the balcony. He just tosses tosses the alcohol out. He doesn't even take a sip. Joker picks up a glass of, of, uh, it's a brilliant chaplain-esque kind of thing picks up a glass of uh, champagne jerks it up as he's going to put it to his mouth so the champagne flies out on its way to his mouth and then he acts like he's drinking but there's no alcohol in the glass it's fucking weird it's fucking cool and they both happen in that scene. That's the first time I noticed that. That's and yeah, so you're right. Good. It's totally mirror. Yeah, Nolan's a he's 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 sort of a genius with this stuff. And I mean, I was I mean, I'll get off him in a second, but I was just thinking mm-hmm. I'm like you go butt you cream. watch Heath Butt Cream. <laughs> I need butt cream after watching well for many reasons, but Brokeback Mountain, Heath Ledger and Brokeback Mountain. <gasps> oh, and Heath Ledger. Oh, no, but no. I'll cut all of that. Go make your point about Brokeback no, Mountain. No, keep it. It's true. Because why can't you? Why can't you keep Think it? Think about Anal it. Anal sex can be painful and you need butt cream. It's so going. I've heard. It's going. So Listen, say goodbye to oh, it. Oh, who are you going to offend? Everyone knows it. Listen. I have been in this business 52 years and I will... I've never seen what that means. his performance in Brokeback oh. Mountain and his performance in this. I mean, that's it. There's no, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the greats. He's 28. But that, yeah, it's ridiculous. Wow. But that being said, I think everyone else rises to his yes. level. I don't think, I don't, it's not just about like, well, he's the best part of the movie and everything is, else is okay. But I, I mean, I see what you're saying, no, Dan. No, Aaron Eckhart is beautiful in he's it. He's fantastic. Yeah, Maggie great. Gyllenhaal is I great. I think Michael Christian Kane. Bale is. I, I, Christian Bale I think and Michael Christian Kane, Bale is great too. When, when he's saying she was going to wait for me and Alfred's about to give him that note oh, from Rachel God, and yeah. then he takes it away. Yeah, Oh great. my God, it kills me. Uh, that, wonderful that relationship moment. between those men. Gotham needs you. No, Gotham needs its true hero. And I let that murdering psychopath blow him half to hell. Which is why, for now, they're going to have to make do with you. She was going to wait for me, Alfred. Dan doesn't know. He can never know. What's that? You can wait. The the music was really... uh, And it's always fascinating me. And I remember when I was putting together the mixtape for your bachelor party, which was a a Batman-themed bachelor party. Mm -hmm. And I was putting all this music, and I I Mm -hmm. used the music from The Dark Knight. And I found myself listening to it over and over again. I was fascinated by it. I couldn't... And why I think it works so well for this movie is musically... 
Again, it's only two chords. The the main theme. The da, da. I mean, hopefully you'll you'll put in the music and you won't just hear me my voice cracking <laughs> singing that. Or do nope. leave it. No, you know. I'm but, it's very, very uh, Brosnan esque of you. SOS. That's good. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> oh boy. The it, it, the music, it never resolves. The music no. uh, you know, tonally and the chord structure, it never resolves. And, and usually, not all the time, but usually when a song or a piece of music does resolve, it usually goes down. It, it goes, it descends mm-hmm. down and it lands someplace. This never lands anywhere. The chord, it goes up. And I read somewhere that when they were, it's, it's, it's Hans Zimmer and um, James uh, Newton Howard. James Newton Howard. Oh. They said that they wanted to use two chords to represent his pain and his guilt. Which I was like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing, and it's just like pain and guilt is never really resolved. This music never resolves. Yeah. It's it's building and then it goes up and it sort of floats there. Yeah, and it never it never really ends and it just keeps going and it's like the Joker theme music as well. It's just that. Yeah. That air raid siren. It never nothing is ever resolved and that gives you such. It it it. it, it permeates you and it gives you such a feeling and that's what I love about this movie again more than anything really is the feeling that it gives up how it makes you feel and to me this last time watching it and just even building up to it like I said making that mixtape and and I watched it a couple months ago with the kids too there's there's just this unsettling feeling and I'm like oh so much of it is that music it just never resolves yeah. it's just Keeps you hanging there. there. Yeah. It keeps <laughs> yeah. you hanging, just like those shots, those aerial shots. And I got it just it all comes together so well. I mean, it's just yeah. so the you know, some of uh, the, the part is what am I trying to say? The sum of uh, the whole of its parts. Yeah, yeah, and this, yeah, the, and the, the, the whole is great, greater than the sum of its parts. Why am I but not it's knowing not. this, the, this it's, phrase? It's, the, what is the no, phrase? It's, it, no, it, it's the whole needs butt cream on it. And to be, to be, to no longer have its parts. I, no, I'm off. <laughs> Some parts feel better than others. That's yes. what it is. In the hole. Uh, On yeah. the hole. You're the symbol of hope I could never be. Your stand against organized crime is the first legitimate ray of light in Gotham in decades. If anyone saw this, everything would be undone. I still have a I still have a problem with this voice. I still have a massive problem with it. Which I don't wait a like it. Hold on. I don't like it. I didn't I know this. Right. It, it is a little but I just found out that that was altered in post. For this yeah. movie because he does it in yeah. Batman Begins too. No, not as in, much. He does it no, in all not three, and it's mm-hmm. and it is like it gets more Yeah, I did hear that. Only recently I heard that Nolan uh, tweaked it. Uh, yeah, which yeah. I never knew. Which I didn't really it, realize either. It doesn't bother me. There are times when it's more aggressive than others, yeah. obviously, yeah. and those are, they take you out a little bit. There are moments in Dark Knight Rises where it goes back and forth. There are some that are so growly. Where's the trigger? Where is it? You never give it to an ordinary citizen. But then there are some yeah. where he's just talking. If you're working alone, Wear a mask. I'm not afraid to be seen standing up to these guys. The mask's not for you. It's to protect the people you care about. And there is a little bit of rasp there. And I was like, that, you could have gone a little 
further in that direction. It didn't have to be so, the, so monstrous, so, you know, but the um, only moment that really, that always <laughs> throws me off. And I know that's a big critique of Christian Bale's performance. It doesn't bother me in this because, and I, I feel like he starts, I don't feel like it's as growly in Batman begins. So it makes sense to me that, okay, he's, he's really moving into it and he's becoming the dark Knight, yeah. and he's becoming this, this monster, you know, he's got to go full into it. The part, the only part that, that I always sort of giggle at a little bit is in the dark Knight rises towards the end <laughs> where he's talking to Anne Hathaway's character. And at that point she knows who he well, is. She knows in this one, Lucius and, and, Fox, he, Lucius Fox knows who he is. And he has the whole thing sure. about, look how beautiful it is. Yeah, right. yeah. I need you to triangulate the vector. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I talk about it yeah. in the dork night. Like you're talking a lot with that voice. Just yeah. Take your foot off the gas a little. It, These true. people know who you are. Yeah. And I, and I always, I always, when I first saw the movie, I totally expected Anne Hathaway to be like, what, what are you doing? I know. What are you, why are you talking that way? Yeah. She would be Bruce, the one to call him on it. Everybody else would be, be like, Oh, here, yeah, that's but, just how Bruce is. <laughs> but here's what I've also come to realize going back to what I was saying before is that Bruce Wayne is also slight. He's, he's, he's not all there. He's got to screw loose to do what he does. You can't be completely sane. You've got to have psychological pro, you know, things going on. And I think that's what it is for him is that he gets so deep I into think when it. He's in that costume. He has yeah. to talk like that. It's part of like who he becomes. Although I would love to see, you know, there's that great moment in Batman returns where Keaton has just had the fight with Catwoman and he's sitting in the cave and he's tired and he's pulling yeah. the glove off yeah, and he's yeah. got the thing stuck in the nail stuck in his costume and he gets on the phone with Alfred and it's just Michael Keaton because Michael Keaton does yeah. this voice too. He Great. does like a, yeah. a, a thing. I still think but when yeah. he's in the cave with the guy who knows who he is, he's like, Alfred, bring me some antiseptic ointment, would you? Coming. Are you in pain, sir? No, not really. Yeah, can you bring me some butt cream, Alfred? I just need a little... <laughs> it says antiseptic ointment, but for the purposes of this episode, butt cream. But, it's all butt cream. But, you know, and I like that. The jarring quality of that was great in that movie, and that's a very Keaton-y choice. But I think, I bet it's intended, I bet it's the it's the character, it's what Bale's looking to do with the performance, and it's probably the mystique, the, the, the feeling that Nolan is trying to create. I think for these movies, if he just talked normally maybe it would lose something or that was their assumption or their gamble you know i i i i would have liked to see a little more modulation when he's with people who know who he is but uh i agree too but you know the voice doesn't really doesn't bother me i think it's kind of fucking cool actually now whatever happened just real briefly i don't want to dwell too long on this but the um I remember there were rumors that that one character, Reese, mm-hmm. was they were maybe building him up to be the Riddler because it rather than the Riddler's real name is Edward Nigma. Right. And in this, it's he, Lucius Fox calls him Mr. Reese. Mr. Reese. Like Mysteries. I know. I know. So I, know. I remember at the time oh. people were like, oh, is he oh. going to be the Riddler? Because he's sort of, you know, he he gets, oh. uh, you know, his plan gets, gets bolted by Bruce Wayne. Yeah, he gets thwarted. He's, yeah. He's a really so. smart guy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that was ever an intentional thing. I think ah, it was an gotcha. Easter eggy thing. I think I, I don't think it, I, I certainly don't think it was haphazard. I don't think they named him. They call him Mr. Reese, Mr. Reese, Mr. Reese so many times without yeah. them wanting you to think that. But I don't think they ever intended for uh, that was a great goddamn moment, though, when oh. Morgan Fr- when Lucius is like, so let me get this straight. You think that your client 
one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world, is secretly a vigilante who spends his nights beating criminals to a pulp with his bare hands. And your plan is to blackmail this person? Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a great, great moment. Brilliant. But, brilliant. Yeah. Um, how many... How uh, many Sherlas? How many Bat Sherlas? What did I give Mama Mia? I like this slightly less than you Mama gave Mia. gave it a seven point... Did you give it 7.5? I think I gave Mama Mia a 7.5. So I will give this movie a seven because I like oh. Mama Mia, the ABBA musical, slightly more than Christopher okay, now- Nolan's The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to each his own. Um, now, now tell me you're not going to like, we're not going to finish this and then you're going to be like, you know, I really wanted to give it a four, but I thought Jason and Fred would be mad. So I'm going up Jason, to go to the bathroom like, so say I can talk you- to Fred about <laughs> yeah, it. right. No, we both have to go to the bathroom and you have to talk to yourself about it. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. I'll no, talk, I'm just I'll go to, We'll all go to the bathroom. I'll talk to myself about it on the toilet. <laughs> I'm going to give you my, I think I know where Jason's going, so I'll, I'll give mine first and we'll finish with Jason's. I just, real quick, Gary Oldman, God damn it, oh, he's good he's in this. he's so good. He's, he's really the most, he's where my heart, where, yeah. that's where, like the whole thing with his wife, yeah. but he's, he's, God, he's so good. Damn it, will you stop pointing that gun at my family? No! Oh, Jim, stop it. Harvey, don't let go. Harvey, I'm sorry for everything. But I'm going to give this one uh, a 10, a 10. I was veering for towards a nine, but as I talk about mm-hmm. it, it's just, it's the feeling I get about it. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think Nolan is an, it's just, Constructed an incredible movie. Yeah, I'm a 10. I wish I could go higher. I think this might be, it might be my single favorite. Heath Ledger is my single favorite performance of all time. And that, and coming from a Jack Nicholson fan like me, it's impressive that anybody could ever eclipse Jack Nicholson's Joker. Um, And it might be, it might be my favorite movie. I think it's my favorite movie up there wow. with boogie nights and remains of the day and uh, a, a tiny handful of others i think in some ways i i i think dark knight rises sometimes i like more uh, dark knight rises is also up there for me because yeah. I, and that's why i put them together that's why with the superhero movies i had to you put it top the list with the trilogy no because they really do go well together they just go so well together and you can't have any of it without batman begins so i have to give that props too but no the dark knight is for me a pretty perfect movie so it's a 10 thank you everybody and i, I will say one more thing uh it's so interesting that it's called the dark knight at that time you didn't have a superhero movie that didn't have the superhero's name in it and that was kind of I, I, I think yeah. it's because Christopher Nolan wanted to make your brain say, I have to think about this differently. I have to look at it differently. Even though for comic book fans, we all know who the Dark Knight is. The general public, they, you know, he got a lot of pushback for not wanting to put the word Batman in the title of a Batman movie. I think it was pretty bold like everything else about this film. Uh, Thank you for joining us for episode 56 of Opening Weekend. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a look at the major releases of August 3rd, 1999, Brad Bird's The Iron Giant, and Andrew Fleming's Dick, starring Kirsten Dunst, Michelle Williams, and Dan Hedaya as Richard Nixon. That is next time on Opening Weekend. Dan, what you got for us? Listen, subscribe, give us five stars, and also, here's a little... Something from a movie I like to call Mamma Mia. It's the song Mamma Mia.
Tisa, you are the dancing queef. <laughs> oh, Fred was waiting for weeks to say that. He knew it was going to happen. He saw it. It's a brilliant improv if you just thought of it now. But I can also, I just can see, even on Squadcast, I can see the little glimmer in your eye of like, now I get to say it. Dan is the dancing queef. Ah, make sure to use your buck dream, everybody. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Yeah.